Welcome to another episode. I am in a rare opportunity here by myself at the house, and uh, I'm in my living room overlooking our huge window at the beautiful hills and some greening grass, and the birds are singing, and it's 60 degrees. Life is good. (laughs) I don't know how many people just feel different when spring comes. I don't know if everybody feels that way. Normally, wintertime in years past has been very hard for me, like (laughs) emotionally or something. Um, I remember, I think it was late fall, we all went to an Andrew Peterson concert, and he was sharing about having the winter blues um, in his life and how he has a real hard time in the winter seasons, just mentally, and he just wants to just kind of curl up and hide away until spring comes, and most most years, that's how I, am, how I have been, and uh, I did real good this winter season until about a month ago, and uh, <laughs> so I made it way farther than I had ever made it before, but that being said, I've just always just struggled in the wintertime to be motivated and to even just spiritually, I know that sounds so silly and, and very juvenile, but yet very true for me. Um, so I made it almost all winter long and didn't finish real strong, but, you know, thankfully, uh, spring is here. It's almost on the calendar, um, but it's beautiful. And there's just something about that, something about the grass growing and the flowers coming out and, you know, here where we are in in the mountains of Southwest Virginia, we're likely not where most of y'all who listen to this are, unless you're up in the Midwest or something, of course, but like if there's anyone south of here, you're probably already in pollen season and trees getting, you know, small leaves and this and that. We're barely getting buds here. Um, Our maple syrup season was short this year. We're about to wrap it up. And move right into spring. And that just is good for me. Um, Good for all of us, probably. Um, And so it's just something stirring about it. I just want to be outside like all the time. All I want to do is be outside. And doing projects here at the property. and I just love it. Um, And of course, I'm not here to talk about um, seasons today. (laughs) Or give weather updates But last night in our fellowship, I shared, and I just really feel that continuing to stir in me this morning. And so I just wanted to record it while it's kind of stirring in my inner places and in my natural mind and my meditations of my heart. It's just really something I feel is good for me to kind of capture if I can and if God is good in the sense of allowing what I'm feeling to actually come out and hopefully go into your ears and into who you are as well. Because as I often share in this stuff, I'm not trying to just say things that kind of topically stir us. Or, you know, I remember, I mean, for how many years, I mean, goodness, most of my church life was just horrendously boring and not stirring in any way. But, you know, as I, when I got older and After Kristen and I got married and um, 
Although there are a few messages within one of the churches we served at, which I do have memories of, of the pastor there speaking things that did stir me and did move me. Um, the latter church, I can't tell you one thing I even learned. I'll just be honest. I mean, but as we started our exodus out of the ordered, traditional, you know, church as we've known it, and as most people know it yet today, within service confines, um, we started going to more progressive, modern, you know, trendy church, uh, mega church experiences. I, I, of course, got stirred by many messages, but most of those were just kind of like, just very minimal, I don't know, I don't even really know how to describe whatever they were. They were something that encouraged me, kind of, but not really on a spiritual level, like a truth of the Word of God. It was more of like, just an encouraging word of like, yeah, okay, I feel better now. I generally, generally, most services, of course, were geared around how do we make ourselves feel better? How do I encourage the body of Christ? Now, of course, I never really operated in that, which is probably one of the reasons why I never really worked <laughs> in the traditional church, because even the f- I, didn't, I didn't speak much at the second church we were at, maybe but a couple times, youth Sundays. Um, but I do remember vividly speaking Sunday morning services at the first church that we served at, um, actual sermons, you know, and like, I remember, and it's funny because within the last few months, I found tapes from that season of my life of those messages recorded on cassette of, and my messages were very confrontational and very offensive, And so, you know, hey, this is the way God made me, right? I mean, not in a rebellious way of just saying, hey, this is just who I am, so sorry. Not in that way of, like, using that as an excuse to air opinion or just to be rude. But, I mean, we have to know how God has really, truly made us and find that place of clear conscience of, like, this is really my identity in Christ. This is my function and purpose, My function and purpose is to say hard things that challenge and confront and say it like it is, and not just for the hearer, not just for whoever listens or whoever sits in my living room, but to myself. I mean, it is self-applicable first and foremost. And so these are things as I hear them, as I interpret the scriptures, and as therefore, thereby, that's how I speak. I speak from a place of harshness. And I'm, I'm just at a place where I'm okay with that. Just like there are people who operate and function along a different line. Not free from truth, not free from something that's maybe challenging, but everyone is going to operate differently, right, within the body of Christ. That's not what I'm going to talk about either, but, (laughs) goodness, I'm all over the place. 
Last night I shared some things about faith. A brother here shared on Sunday morning about the Hebrew le- Hebrews 11, fathers of the faith, those who have gone before us, the ancient path people who have shown us in the word of God and, and has been preserved unto now for us to look back onto their life and glean treasures for us should we see them align ourselves with them, do what the Scripture tells us, what we should do with those things, which is what we'll talk about today, and then live out of that reality, not to just imitate these men alone, not just to try to be like them and emulate them in some way of exalting them, but seeing their lives and believing that they were given to us as examples of those who have gone before and been men who please God. Can we give ourselves to, to humbly say there are men who have gone before us and even now yet exist that are found pleasing to God? And can we rightly in humility come underneath their example and say, Lord, may I be like Abraham. May I have the faith of Abraham. That's easy. That's a simple given because he himself, of course, Abraham, is even in Scripture and is given to us as examples. But I mean men like Moses. We see all the men in the Scriptures. We talk about We're not going to get into all those specifics of the men in Hebrews 11, but rather the principle of it. So I'm just, I have been asking myself for several weeks, as I shared in Hebrews 11 several weeks ago during a prayer time with the men, um, and then like I said, and I've referenced already, a brother shared in great measure about Hebrews 11 um, and, and different things within it on Sunday. And I shared last night, out of asking myself several questions in regards specifically to faith and what I believe about it, do I even know what it is? Like, just really stepping back, and instead of just saying, okay, well, help me to be a man of faith. And when I read scriptures about faith, Lord, help me to exercise my faith. Help me to walk by faith. All these things, like, instead of, like, trying to will myself to do this thing, can I first step back and say, do I truly, really understand what that even is? Like, what is faith? I mean, we, I mean, beyond like the old metaphor of like a chair, I remember, I probably even spoke this to youth events back in the day about like, Faith is like a chair. I'm going to sit in this chair and I believe it's going to hold me. And I believe that when I place my weight upon a chair, it's going to hold me up. And so therefore, it's just like walking with the Lord. Well, that's true. But we've got to move beyond that. We've got to get beyond these elementary explanations of faith and something like applicable to a lifestyle of dependence upon God. So I'm going to read some scriptures. I'm going to jump around here and there. I'm going to reference some Old Testament stuff. So stay with me. And I don't believe this is going to be very long. Um, 
I'm going to try to be concise. Okay, so faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so as I said last night to our fellowship here, that sentence right there has got to arrest us. It's got to cause us to stop, think about that, let's say it again, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Okay? Something I hope for is something that is not yet. I can't put my hope unto something. I can't hope that that calf that I see out... Okay, I, I see my one of my calves. I hope that that calf continues to be healthy and mature and grow into full stature and weight and health... So that in a year from now, that calf is in my freezer, okay? My hope is that that calf matures into a full stature of purpose and use, accomplishing its purpose for us to become beef, right? That calf is not at that place. That calf is small, it's growing. It is not yet, okay? So my hope, my assurance is in my hope that that calf grows into its purpose, okay? And the convictions of things not seen. So, something not seen, something I can't yet experience in its completion, in its fullness, something that my natural eyes cannot yet see, is my conviction, my assurance, my confidence, my, my concrete expectation is into something not yet seen. So my natural understanding, my physical eyes cannot have preeminent place in these matters. This is not a natural sense reality that we're presenting. That is not faith. By it, by faith, the men of old gained approval. Skip a little bit. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Okay? So if I don't possess this faith, I cannot even be found pleasing in God's sight. I can't please him. Oh, everybody talks today about, oh, if we can just please God, if we can just worship God in spirit and in truth, if we can just come before him with thanksgiving and loud songs and beautiful choruses and worshipy um, environments where we all just really, whether there's excitement or tears or or whatever it looks like, that these environments are so like, developed and cultivated to take people. This generation is fascinated with, like, how can we create an environment where we approach God? Whether it's the song and even the songs that today, and I've, and I've sung them myself, I know. I'm, we're working on those things about the atmosphere of coming to God. 
Well, what about this verse that says that it is impossible to please Him? It's impossible to come to Him as a pleasurable sacrifice, a living sacrifice, without faith. It doesn't matter everything else. Apparently, if I cannot please Him, void of faith. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And we've got to let this sink in. Romans 10. The word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart... A person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all. He's abounding in riches for all who call on him. Forever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. He goes on to say in verse 14, how then... Will they call on him whom they have not believed? Okay, so we're talking about a belief. We're talking about a faith in someone, in God himself. How will they believe? How will they entrust themselves to him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? However... They did not all heed the good news. All these people who heard the word, heard the preaching. Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So, faith comes from hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. There's so much within this, I don't even know how much to to open up today. So faith that we cannot please God without. We cannot please God without this faith. This is factual. If we really believe scripture, we cannot be found pleasing to God unless we possess faith. And how do we get it? We're told factually faith comes from hearing. It is derived and extracted out of it's it's brought to us by what we hear and what do we hear we hear by the word of christ hebrews 4 therefore let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest any one of you may seem to have come short of it for indeed we have had good news preached to us this is the same theme as in romans just as they also, okay, so there's a division, there is a, there is a, a unified hearing of the word of truth. The word of truth is spoken out, and if you can imagine, you're up on a stage and you're speaking the word of truth, the preacher, and everybody listen to what I'm saying, this is, you get your, get out of your mind a man in a suit behind a pulpit on a Sunday morning at 11.09. The preacher, the proclaimer of the word of truth, 
is what this is talking about. Not preacher Bill at First Baptist, okay? The proclaimer of the word of God speaks the word out unto a group of unified hearers. But then, as soon as that goes out, there is a division, a line of those who hear and those who do not. Because there are those who had the good news preached to them, just as to us, but the word they heard did not profit them. Because it was not united by, mixed with, faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest. Okay, so there's a division that those who heard the word of truth preached the good news, the gospel, the redemption work of Jesus, the kingdom of God. But unless it's united by and mixed with faith, it cannot be profitable. The word that is heard cannot produce anything of its purpose unless that mixing and that uniting takes place. In faith that we have to have to please God. I think it would do us good to really meditate on this truth and begin to practice the mixing and uniting principle. Because if we're lacking faith, think of an experience in your life presently or in your past. Like, I don't know how to get faith for this matter, whether it's for a child or a marriage or a spiritual condition. And faith seems like undiscoverable. There's no faith in the vicinity. You can't seem to find a place of what? peace and rest that this scripture talks about because those who believed entered that rest so we must place ourselves within the truth that we are told in the scriptures the promises of God the covenants of God the attributes of God and who he is and his ability We have got to mix and unite our faith with those truths. And what? The truth will set us free. Why? Why will we be set free by the truth? Because our faith somehow gives it life and substance. It is the evidence of things not seen. And that's how these men who have gone before us who knew this principle and then therefore lived out of that gained approval. And I just want to touch on this briefly. I elaborated a little more on it last night, but there's not time this morning. I believe that there is a level of faith that within us, if we are truly regenerated... This is only true for the man who is literally in Christ, a regenerated new creation follower of Jesus. But if if Jesus indwells me, if God indwells this body, 
And we know that Jesus walked this earth in the form of a man, in perfect obedience and yieldedness, completely guided by what he did not see. That's what his entire kingdom message was, was you guys, you, is there anyone faithful? You of little faith? Why was he always saying those things? Because everyone around him was living according to their natural man nature, the Adamic nature guided by what they see, guided by what they experience, guided by what they can touch and feel and smell, guided by their natural man's senses. But Jesus, because he was perfectly obedient, walked above that guidance of the flesh by lording over it in complete obedience. He walked according to what he did not see. And what he did see was a heavenly seeing. He did what he saw the Father do, and he spoke what he heard the Father say. And so the faith of Jesus was aligned in some place. It originated, it resided, we could say. It resided in the heavenly places. His faith originated from the heavenly places, and therefore he could say, on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because his mind, his intention, his heart's motivations originated with God in the heavenly places and according to the government of God and therefore he could execute it on the earth in great faith even though he did not see it here his sight his vision his words originated in that heavenly reality of the unseen here and therefore he spoke it into where it did not yet exist here on the earth in faith, not according to what was seen. And so that Jesus resides in me. And so I believe there's something within me, that Jesus' faith, if you will, is within me wanting to get out. It's desiring to be loosed out of my life in a tangible, powerful way. And my conclusion is going to drive that point home. I hope it does for you. We've got to continue. We've been justified by faith through Jesus Christ. Okay, so the gift and the outset of faith, the faith that enables us to even come to God, to be in Christ, and thereby progressively mature in faith in ongoing greater measure. There has to be a gift of faith received from God to believe that He is. But that is only supposed to be the foundational building block to move on, to mature in faith, to build faith upon faith upon faith upon faith. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So a progressional faith to faith to faith. I'm doing steps with my hands. Levels, 
boom, boom, boom. Faith, faith, faith. Building upon, building upon, building upon. The righteousness of God is revealed in this manner. For as it is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. I am supposed to live according to faith in things unseen. An assurance of things hoped for. I do not presently do that in fullness. Praise the Lord, I do it at all. But I have got to continue to give myself to the maturity, to the process of building faith upon faith. The faith I have tomorrow should be greater than it is presently. The faith I have in 10 years should blow out of the water the level of faith I have this morning. So if we're supposed to move from faith to faith and can say that our faith in Jesus was really only meant to be our starting point, we have to ask ourselves, are we progressively advancing in our depth of faith? If we're supposed to live by faith, we need to know. Another scripture, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Okay, now I want to look at some Old Testament stuff. And Well, we're 30 minutes in. I tell you what, I'm going to make part two. Um, I'm going to break this up. I'm going to make the next part is just going to be one and two. We're going to look at the life of King Asa. Um, he's in 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles. He's a very captivating character. He's a very captivating uh, individual for us to look at and and. We can glean a wealth of things from these Old Testament experiences that we can read and look out and give ourselves to with spiritual eyes. And so I'm going to conclude this part. We'll pick up the next part, part two. It's just going to be a one and two, no big, long, drawn-out thing. So uh, walk by faith, not by sight today. And we'll pick up part two up next.